The views expressed in our episode are ours alone and do not represent any other organizations. Our episodes discuss internet crimes against children and cases that involve the exploitation of children and may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Yeah, we don't want to do anything to scare your children. That's the last thing we want to do. We don't want to scare anybody. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Catfish Cops podcast. We are broadcasting live, live and in person at the Crimes Against Children Conference 2023, the 35th annual conference. We're glad to be back. We have two amazing guests who have agreed to sit down and go through some questioning. And so we have with us. Hi, my name is Kelly Renfro. Kelly Renfro from Dallas, Texas. Dallas, Texas with Dallas Police Department, right? The sergeant of the what the unit? Internet Crimes Against Children Squad. Right up our alley. And yeah. then we also have with us... Uh, Detective James Getz. James Getz. That's right. Uh, yeah, also with Better Dallas Police goats. Department. And what's that? Better known as goats. <laughs> goats. Or goats. <laughs> um, what goats wants, goats gets, right? Right. Well, no. yeah, we hope so, but not usually. <laughs> All right. So you guys are longtime Dallas conference attenders and... Uh, you're presenting this week. You got Correct. a case study you're doing this week? Well, I do a case study with a co-worker of mine, co-detective of mine, Michael Fontenot. Um, we, oh, we where's go over he a couple. Oh, he's, he's lingering right behind my He's us. lingering right over our shoulders He doesn't here. like to talk a whole lot. But, <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Yeah, we're doing a case study, uh, you know, a couple cases we did uh, back. His was, I think, two years ago, and mine was about four, right when I came over to the unit. Okay. So, Sergeant Renfro, you are over the ICAC unit. Which consists of, like, what is, tell our listeners, like, we have a lot of cops that listen, but we have a lot of, like, moms, um, you know, and so just give them a kind of overview. What's that, what's it look like to be the sergeant over that unit? It's a really cool spot. I mean, unfortunately, in the policing world, it's something that's really not that well known. Mm -hmm. Um, I think even half the people in our department, when I tell them where I work, they say, wait, where? What's that? What's that? (laughs) Yeah. And then I tell them and they go, ew. I, wanted, I wouldn't want to do that. Right. Um, but it's a really great spot. Um, I know it kind of grosses people out or it kind of freaks them yeah. out. They don't want anything to do with it. But you can make such a difference there. And I get to see the detectives do that every day. Um, it's not a lot on me. I just kind of do a lot of the paperwork. But yeah. kind of overseeing what they do, is it's a really, really cool thing to see. Can you share how many detectives you have under your charge or watch? Or is that a trade secret? Oh, no, it's not a secret. Uh, let's bring some more out. So, yeah, yeah we got <laughs> six detectives. Nice. We have one non-sworn analyst and then one police officer who serves as our educational officer okay and then also within that group you have an electronic service dog at your disposal right remy that's right and so a lot of our our listeners we've talked about esd dogs a little bit maybe we can get uh, somebody to come on here after a little while to give a little uh talk about a guy who has one in our (laughs) office that likes to talk about his dog quite a bit so right maybe we can talk him into it so we we uh i met actually last night um at the little event thing they had they had the prosecutor from the jared fogel case which which was really cool you know i was like dang would you like to come down and talk to him the podcast uh but he was uh you know electronic service dogs came into play so i know that's a huge component for you guys and so as a DPD, you guys are the hub, right, for all of North Texas and doling out all the 
fantastic cyber tips right. that uh, are hitting. Love to get. Yeah, absolutely. So what's the day-to-day look like for you guys? Like, uh, I know you're in sort of an administrative role, mm-hmm. so are you the doler out of um, of the workload, or you just sort of manage no. what they've got? Don't blame me. No, it's our <laughs> analyst. Uh, she's the one. She dishes them out every day. So we're one of 62 task forces in the country. Um, we have about 250, 300 agencies that we send in, that are actually under agreement with us, even more so that are within North Texas that we send them out to on right. a daily basis, just, you know. 100, maybe more, maybe a little bit less, but on average, yeah. maybe about that much every day. We yeah. make people happy every day when those emails come through. As the recipient of a large chunk of those, I uh, I can Love feel it. the pain. We, we I've get, never heard you complain ever about it. I try to I try to temper my uh, my I try to temper that, but uh, sometimes I send emails back like, "What's going on? Is this Garland Day or what's going on?" But I realize. Yeah, I realize we're not uh, exclusive. So give us a little background, Sergeant Renfro. How long you been on with the police department? Almost 14 years. Oh, wow. And so are, have you... In a week, actually, and, yeah. And how long That's have you right. been in the sergeant role? I've been a sergeant for just a little over five years. I've been in ICAC, um, I guess, a year and a half now. Okay. And so is it like most agencies, you, you promote to sergeant, you came from the street, I guess, patrol? Yes. And then do you spend a little time in patrol when you first promote, or do you just, can you go somewhere else? you should. I think you should. Most people get sent back. I did. I mean, I was already in patrol. I'd been in patrol about 10 years. Um, Sometimes it's kind of hard to get out just because, you know, staffing and everything. So I was still in patrol when I promoted, Um, and I spent a little bit of time in patrol before I got pulled up. What part of town did you work primarily? I worked northeast and northwest. Okay. And that's, uh, hey, listen, man, that's uh, all. It's the Busy. mean streets. It yeah. doesn't matter where you're at, really. Right They're bordering Garland, too. I know, right? I know. Just touching touching the armpit a little bit. So uh, how about you? How long have you been on the department? Uh, it'll be 15 years in Whoa. a couple weeks. Um, yeah. yeah, I've been a, a mostly patrol 10 years. I spent there a little time doing gang unit before nice. coming over char- to our child exploitation unit um, almost five years ago now. It'll be five years in November. Nice. And... Um, like the workflow, what's uh, what's kind of an average day if you can be vanilla enough to let educate a listener? Like, what's it looking like on a? I know it ebbs and flows with yeah. different things, but what could look like an average day for you guys? I mean, average day usually, ideally, you come in and you've got twenty or thirty tips, you know, that per detective to kind of go through. Um, we get Jenna assigns the cyber tips to us, our analyst, and I'll go through them, decide. Okay, first off, is this a case I can even work? Um, right. And I'll just go through each individual one and start doing my subpoenas on the cases that I can. Yep. Um, get some search warrants knocked out. Um, at that point, hopefully I get through all 30 of them before I get asked by my sergeant to do some other things. <laughs> right. Uh, but what I'll do is then uh, usually try to make it over to court early in the morning, get those search warrants signed, get them back loaded into different you know companies' portals, sent off, and then, and then I start working all the cases that I've already done that for and, and, and start going through those and right. sometimes and he likes surveillance. To do some, uh, yeah, he does surveillance. He also does a little bit of some self-initiated activity. That's what we like to call it. So yeah. he does the chatting. Some undercover chatting. So, you know, half the day. Like I think right now I'm talking with uh, some guy um, somewhere who... Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Mine's, mine's right here. I, I bring actually it have with a me. message from him right now I haven't gotten to. So Yeah, I think our the listeners, they, I think they have some understanding obviously the ones in the law enforcement arena they have an understanding but those who are not in the law enforcement arena they have no idea 
uh, the gravity of what gets said and the reasoning why we do proactive cases like that where we have to be out there pretending to be a child and, right. and they lose sight that what we do in that undercover capacity is based on real life, like cases we've actually worked that involve real child victims. And, yeah. and so I think once people like hear it and understand it, then they're like, Oh, well that makes yeah. sense. You know, no, I agree. And, um, and it's hard sometimes it's overwhelming. It's, you know, it's difficult. The content is horrible. Um, but you know, there's no better, there's no better demographic to be rescuing and saving than, than little kids. Um, totally agree. Yeah, totally yeah. agree. I mean, that's why I, I show up every day to do it. I know that's why Sarge comes in every day. It's just, yeah. uh, there's nothing more rewarding to me. Yeah. And I tell people like how many, I bet you guys have heard the same as me, you know, I've been in the game a long time, but I always hear like, Oh, I don't know how you do the job yeah. you do. I don't know how you see what you see. And, and I'm like, but what, what other case is that in, that much important? Like, right. you know, as we sit across right. the booth from the DPD homicide, homicide uh, superstars over there. Yeah, they're and, selling and, our coins for us, too. <laughs> yeah, you know, and the, the murder police and all those kind of things. And and we get, a lot of people don't get, like, we handle just as heavy of cases and sometimes heavier with uh, what goes on and, and that whole process. But um, yeah. it's been good. Um, the relationship, how does it work in it? I will say from from where I sit, uh, the relationship um, has gone back to the way it was. We we had a little hiccup in time, uh, which is growing pains. I think yeah. that's probably par for the course, oh, yeah. but it works well. I think the group now is like it was back in the day. So, you know, for someone in my shoes, and I've been doing this a long time, it's um, it's rewarding to be back that way because it just feels right. It, yeah. it just yeah. works. And I really like hearing that too, you know, coming into a system that was maybe broken in yeah. a, more than one way right? and not really knowing what I was doing at the time either, but just <laughs> right. trying my best just, you know, to do my part to make things better. It's nice to hear that, you know, yeah. people think that something's working. So you came into this um, to be the sergeant of a unit. Were you a detective at any point at ever or like in working kid cases or had any relationship no. with that? No. So I you were been. ground up. You had to learn from the right. ground up. I mean, I'd been trying to learn kind of from the outside a little bit. Yeah. I'd taken some of our report management classes. I'd gone to interview interrogation schools because I did a little bit in um, narcotics for a little while. Okay. And then I was in IED briefly. So they are the sergeants, are detectives as well. So we do yeah. work cases, but not this kind of case. Yeah. Totally different. Yeah, Absolutely. And, um, you know, I, I guess a lot, like we have people that will reach out to us and be like, you know, how do you process things? And so how do you process it? Like the things you have to see, the experiences you hear, the cases you have knowledge of or maybe help it, you know, step in and work or help with them. How do you guys how do you guys function? How do you deal with it? Well, I mean, I know that what we're what we're doing and what the detectives are doing, it's making a difference in someone's life. Yeah. So, and then like a lot of times when we talk to these people, cause people don't understand how we can talk to them. Cause we have to kind of be that person. We have to pretend to be that kid and we got to sometimes talk dirty and like pretend yeah. that what they're saying is okay. Cause a lot of times yeah. when he needs someone to talk live, I'm the little girl's voice. I'll change my voice a little bit right. and I'll be the girl and people don't understand how I can do that. And they're yeah. kind of freaked out when they hear the recording. <laughs> um, I was told it was, it was freaky, I think. Yeah, I think. It was freaky. But at one point. Yeah. But for me, like, you're playing a game, and it's a temporary game. Yep. But for the end, what you get out of it, I mean, you yeah. can't you can't the reward that any is, other way. Yeah, the yeah. reward is so satisfying, I guess. Right. Like, that's what I try to tell people. I'm like, you, 
you just don't understand until you latch onto that person right. who thinks all along that what they're doing is involving a real child and, and the danger that that brings well, and, with and it. And not to mention, you know, I know you have way more experience than I do in this stuff, but every one of those guys, they're talking to other kids at the same time. Exactly. They're talking right. to you. Yeah, so and that's, so you've, just taken, you've just yeah. taken that guy out of their mm-hmm. lives potentially yep. being victimized if they yeah. hadn't already. And that raises such good points, like the how important we do the follow-up of things mm-hmm. because we know we're not the only person that they're communicating with and there are real kids. And, and oftentimes, as soon as we latch onto one, we are able to then rescue other kids who, who uh, you know, were being victimized by the same guy so that's a that's a super good point um and then you've just jumped you when you came in as a detective you were just assigned to this unit or did you go so somewhere I, else first i was i was assigned to our child exploitation unit um, and what's squad. the difference tell everybody and so our child exploitation here at dallas pd um basically child exploitation handles all sex offenses against children hands-on um, stuff by non-family members so okay, hands-on by unit. non-family. Yeah, we have a whole okay. other unit of child abuse that handles physical and sexual abuse of children by family members. Gotcha. So our child ex just strictly non-family members. Um, they're in the same office as us in ICAC, and I did that for about five months, I want to say, and there was a need over in ICAC, and my sergeant at the time asked me if I wanted to jump over there, and I said, I don't know that much about computers, I'll be honest. Yeah. Uh, he's like, you don't need to. You just need to know how to work a case. And, right. And so I said, I'll give it a try because I'm – I'm willing to learn and, and try different things and never thought, never thought in my wildest dreams that I'd be doing what I'm doing. Right. Um, as a police officer, detective, yeah. uh, I, I always wanted to go narcotics and a lot of ways these cases are like narcotics cases. You're just mm-hmm. mostly searching for child pornography instead of yeah. drugs. Um, the only thing so it's, like, it's a uh, spot. I, I'm glad you brought that up because the only distinction I want to make between narcotics and this is, because I've had to ha- have this argument with yeah. some higher ups that, oh, yeah, yeah, that treat it differently, and I say, "Listen, in narcotics, it, it's a very high risk for a very low reward, but for right. us, it's usually a very low risk with a very high reward." Very high. Yeah. And so, as long as the distinction is made, I agree with you. There's a ton of similarities that happen with it. It's just, uh, you know, sort of ferreting that out. But yeah. um, it's very rewarding work. Is there a nickname for the unit that handles family side of? Hands-on uh, cases? Child abuse. Oh, they just call yeah. it child abuse. Child okay. abuse unit, yeah, squad. Squad, squad. I guess. Yeah. So child abuse, child exploitation, and ICAC. ICAC. Three different and then, groups. And we also have our um, high-risk victims at Dallas PD, which they handle right. juvenile sex trafficking. Um, and then also in our office is going to be our sex offender apprehension guys. Gotcha. So they're all under the same wow. umbrella, same lieutenant. That's a lot. I remember way yeah, back in the day when I first came in, like I came and cut my teeth with Dallas PD. Like I came down and hung out for – two or three weeks and just did call outs with you guys just to be a sponge and like, okay, how do you do this? And why do you do that? And then, and try to just emulate that. So, um, yeah. uh, that's been a big role. And, and I like the task force model that we have here because everybody's so willing to just jump in and help everybody else. Oh, yeah, and, I totally agree. I mean, it's and, a group effort. We work yeah. cases together with other agencies, local and federal yeah. Yeah. all the time. Yep. It wouldn't work if we didn't have this. Right. And that, and that goes competition. to that point. Like, I mean, well, to your point originally, you know, we had Eric Weiss, who had been there for a long time, yeah. kind of rant. He's the one that taught me. He up and left for the private sector. And, yeah. and vice versa, I was going to you, yeah. and Brandon, to reach out because you guys had the experience right. versus you coming to us at that time. And, yeah. and that's why I think I do love our task force and, and the groups we have because yeah. we are so willing to help each other. And that's um, really what keeps me staying where I'm at. I'm, I could yeah. easily retire. I've been offered gigs in the private sector, and I'm – you know, there's a side of me that's like, okay, I'm ready to do that. I'm ready to, 
um, you know, maybe try something different. I, I think I've scarred my brain enough and seen enough of the mm-hmm. horrible stuff, but yeah. I can't give it up. I'll never, I'll never not be in this uh, arena. And then the other side of it is I don't want to leave it unfinished. I want to get someone else yeah. trained up yeah. in my spot. Which I got a new guy you guys will have to meet. His yeah. name is Nate. Um, really good guy with a lot of good experience, international experience, which is like mm-hmm. rare. We don't ever see that. Oh, yeah. Uh, so it'll, it'll be interesting. He'll, you'll be seeing him in the future and kind of floating around as things go. But um, I got a question for you, Tony. Sure. Do you feel like you can't leave because you feel like nobody is going to put into it what you put in? Like maybe something was going to kind of fall there's aside? A, there's a component of that. There's like, I, you know, my, <laughs> my chain is like, you know, we need to get the next guy. We need yeah. to, and I tell him, and I'm like, I, I totally agree. And I said, but what I, what I don't want is I don't want them to come in thinking they got to be Tony right. and fill my shoes. Like, uh, I don't expect that. Even though there's a, I do have a standard. Like, I, I want it. I want someone with the same work ethic and the same, um, you know, ability to learn it and, and succeed. I, I'm all about them passing the knowledge on and, and you know i mean i got a head full of institutional knowledge and mm-hmm. and everybody around us has the same sort of headspace and so i just want people to be a sponge so there is some side of that yeah I, i'm a little fearful that if i were to leave tomorrow it might dissolve and yeah, that would that's a scary thing that would be terrible you have to care i think really all you yeah. what you want from a detective and what i would want from any of my detectives is you have to care about it yeah you got to be willing to put the time in because yep. this job unlike you know other ones where cases are maybe just assigned to you in a certain type of way like you make it what it is yeah absolutely. you can choose to close your cases or work them or not you choose how much work you put into them absolutely you guys got a, a well, presentation to get to or i got i got 10 minutes or so <laughs> okay i'll well, get I to that case eventually when i don't want there. to uh i don't want to tip the hand if anything but uh no you, i was, I was going to talk about a different one actually let's go um and, and this kind of points to kind of what you were saying and um sarge was saying just about how our task force works so well together. Yeah. Um, we as Dallas PD, now that we're fully, well, fully staffed Quote with six people. Yeah. <laughs> air quotes. Air quotes going on there. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're able to help out more than we used to be able to. Mm-hmm. And so kind of in that daily that you asked earlier, kind of like what the daily process is. We yeah. also, as a task force head, we get a lot of um, priority operatives that come in. Sure. And those priority ones and twos, generally involved like hands-on abuse or production of, right. of images that we know is happening or believe is happening right now. And so we're responsible for looking at those, you know, pretty quickly and getting yeah. them to figure out, okay, this, this needs to go to this agency or, or we need to work it in house. Um, cause it's in Dallas. Right. Uh, we had one of those come in. When was it last May of 20? Like it was right after you came over a few months. Um, cyber tip came in. It was a priority to, and in pretty much read that uh, this reporting person called in and said that he believes his father is molesting his uh, granddaughters. Wow. Or his, he called them his nieces in, in the report. Yeah. Um, the way it read, uh, the grandfather was in his 60s, or the father was in his 60s. And um, I kind of, as a, just kind of putting the pieces together, um, you have father, son, nieces. Yeah. I'm sitting here thinking, okay, this, the guy reporting it is probably in his 30s, right. 40s. Um, he's reporting it. Nieces are probably in a different household. Um, so I, you know, I made a phone call to him because he reported and uh, talked to him. And I'm talking to him. He sounds kind of young. He says, "Yeah, well, you know," and I won't go into all the details of it. But Grandpa was supposed to be punishing the two girls in a bedroom um, by spanking them, 
Right. But he didn't really hear any noise, and then he just thought it was weird because he heard the grandfather ask him to uh, pull down your pants. Oh, my gosh. And so the, the son, and as he's telling the story, I'm starting to think, like, wait, are you all in the same house? Yeah. Because I kind of stopped him. He goes, well, yeah. I said, how old are you? He goes, 18. And and dad is 65, but he's also a registered sex offender. Oh, we know. boy. And so I'm like, wait a minute. So you and your nieces and dad are all in the same house right now. He's like, yeah, I just stepped outside. He's inside right now. Oh. And so I'm talking with him. I said, so how do you, so, so you said you mentioned pictures in the cyber tip and he starts to tell me that, yeah, he, he ended up taking his dad's phone after that, that incident because the girls came out crying, but he never heard spanking. Um, and he went through his phone and he found some images that he had taken oh. of the granddaughters, you know, vaginas and, yeah. and stuff. And so at that point, I'm like, okay, well, we need to figure out, we need to get those yeah. kids safe, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so all hands on deck. We kind of pulled an all hands on deck thing. And actually, in that phone call, the dad came outside and said, hey, who are you talking to? And he's like, oh, no. And he's like, are you talking to the cops? And he's like, no, no. I'm like, I'm like on the phone telling the kid, like, you can just hang up, man. Like, yeah, yeah. We'll call you back. Um, we ended up, uh, he said on the phone, dad went back inside. Um, wow. But we ended up talking with him. We found out he was going to be working uh, at a shift at McAllister's Deli um, at 5 o'clock, and, and Dad was going to be dropping him off. Yeah. And so we made arrangements. It, it, well, so end of the time, this is out in Granbury, Texas, mm-hmm. so it's about an hour and a half from here. Yeah. Um, me and two other detectives hopped in a car. Uh, Sarge was like, yeah, go out and do it, because we didn't have a contact out there right. at the time. And um, on the way there, we're making phone calls. Uh, I'm a TFO with HSI, so right. I reached out to HSI uh, agent. It was up in Sherman, Texas wow. at the time. And so he drove all the way down there to Granbury to meet us. And uh, we did get in touch with the the uh, investigator out there who was fairly new to this. So this yeah. stuff is all kind of new to him. Right. Um, so we go down there. You know, we talk with the kid at, at McAllister's Deli. And we, we go through his phone. We do find pictures of, of his, his nieces yeah. in there. And at that point, we kind of we just all put together with with hsi and us as dallas pd out in granbury texas which i've never been out there in the middle yeah. of nowhere pretty much yeah and uh working with their investigator to put together arrest warrants and an arrest team because dad was supposed to pick the kids son up at oh. 10 o'clock at night so we get out there and and uh work with the sheriff's office and they end up having a, a takedown team and once you know we we get or he goes there to pull in to pick him up right all the cars swoop in yeah arrest him you know everything so it worked out really well for us because yeah. you know we had three agencies that really didn't work together a whole lot exactly coming together for this one cause and that's going back to the task force thing Absolutely. it was great and um we ended up uh charging him that night he hasn't seen the outside of jail since then Good, as he um, should not he got he got several i think two charges of production wow on the federal side uh, well, we found a whole bunch of child pornography in his phone well, he's going to he, take a long ride then he just got sentenced. Did he? Uh, a month ago, less than a month or a little over a month ago, he got um, life plus ten years plus wow. ten years supervised release on top of it. So, and he's like sixty six now, sixty seven. Yeah, yeah. he's wow. not going to see the light of day, you know. So, you know what? That's um, how it should be. And he's he was a multiple time sex offender wow. for possession of child pornography for um, some sex wow. abuse in the the so 90s. That was sentencing done right, though. Yeah. So, yeah. so that was sentencing done right. Correct. That's awesome. And, that's just a good story. I like to share it because 
talking about the task force. Like, we'll yeah. jump and help you guys. I know you, Absolutely. Tony, will come and jump to help us if, if we need it. Um, it's and happened I think multiple that's, times. Even last yeah. year at this conference, yep. um, oh, we yeah. were at the the, the like the hospitality night. Yep. It was like 7.30, and we had people approach us down from Montgomery County. They had a victim Houston, here. Yeah. Yep. And we left. Yep. We just drove right yep. off and left, started surveillance. We ended up arresting a guy that night. Yeah, yep. we had the same thing. I was sitting at this booth doing a recording, and a guy came by, and and he's like, aren't you from Garland? And I was like, yeah. He's like, hey, man, we got a kid that's <laughs> da, 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 trafficking thing. I'm like, oh, stand but by. it's the coolest thing, though. Well, yeah. I love it is seeing cool that happen. It's great being a part of it, too. It's it's cool because I don't think you get other detectives working in any other burglaries unit. or robberies. Right. Like, right. hey, man, we know these guys are robbing me. school. Like, cool, I'll get to it tomorrow. Yeah, Here, exactly. you know there's kids at stake. Yep. And everybody jumps like that yeah. to go take care yeah, of Yeah, it just happens at a moment's a notice. Yeah. yeah so. And that's really awesome. That, uh. Yeah, that's that's awesome stuff. I yeah. I appreciate you guys yeah, uh, coming by no to problem. just educate people. That's really what we're all about. Is yeah. you know we're never going to arrest our way out of this situation, but we can do a whole lot better in educating people, Absolutely. letting them know what's going on, and and just raising awareness. And um, you know the stories are cool, and people really glam onto those, and that's great because yeah. they need to hear that there's wins and there's victories. But at the end of the day, it's all about our own passion and dedication to saving kids. And uh, you guys are a giant part of that, and I'm I'm glad to be part of the team. To be honest with you, so well, hey, we're glad, glad to have, to have you. you. Well, I appreciate it. You so. help keep the team together while we were struggling, <laughs> so it's all all good. Nah, no worries. So good luck with the case study. I hope all it goes right, well. You. And uh, anything comes up, let us know how the conference is going. Sounds good. All right, Thank have a good you. one. See right. ya. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Catfish Cops podcast, brought to you by Brandon Poor and Tony Godwin. For additional information and available resources, please visit our website, www.catfishcops.com, and click on the resources link. 